They all be running wild Hello and welcome back to Because I Said So. You may not be coming back. You may be here for the first time. In either case, welcome. Welcome to Because I Said So, the only parenting podcast in the vast internet multiverse that is worth listening to. Now, why is that? Well, it is because some things never change. Now, what I just said, some things never change, and let me add, and never should, may cause some head-scratching, but if you keep listening, child-rearing enlightenment will eventually burn like an eternal flame in your very soul. Yes, ladies and jelly beans, keep listening and continue to hear me say obscure, but essential things like that on a somewhat regular basis. I'm your host, John Rosemond, the only psychologist in America who will tell you the truth about the fake profession of psychology. Again, keep listening, because the truth about psychology, the falsehoods that form its foundation, wonderful alliteration there, don't you think? And the damage psychology has caused the American child, the American family, America's schools, America's communities, and therefore America will blow your ever-loving mind. At the end of last week's exciting episode, I promised to reveal this week my top secret. Well, it's not really, but that's a dramatic way of putting it. My top secret six-part fail-safe formula, it is fail-safe, for getting your children to do what you tell them to do, believe it or not, the first time you tell them to do it. Are you ready to reclaim your child-rearing composure? Okay, then, let's go. So I'm going to begin with a question to you, dear listener. Have you ever known a truly obedient child? who did not also radiate a sense of well-being? No, you have not. So let's get it straight right off the bat. Obedience is good for a child. Growing a happy child begins with training obedience into the child. So here I go. A few years back, I spoke at a private school in Richmond, Virginia. Talk lasted 90 minutes, give or take. In any event, I didn't really have time to do a deep dive into the subject at hand, child rearing, also known as parenting. And I wanted to give folks something helpful, so I laid out my famous secret, top secret, fail safe six point formula for getting children to obey. That after all, is the question I am most often asked, to wit, John, 
How can I get my kids to obey the first time I tell them to do something? Six months later, six months after that Richmond event, I gave a full-day parenting seminar at a church in Greenville, North Carolina, which happens to be a four-hour drive from Richmond. As I was setting up, a couple came up to me and told me they had been at that school talk in Richmond and taken copious notes on my obedience formula. The wife said, Up until then, John, our three-year-old daughter had never, and I mean never, done anything either of us had told her to do. Everything was a battle, usually ending in a monstrous tantrum. But the day after hearing you in Richmond, we put your six-part formula into practice. And the first time we used it, our daughter obeyed. And instantly, well, it's been six months now, and it's like we have a completely different child. She does everything we tell her to do. So we figured that if we could get that much out of 90 minutes of listening to you, driving four hours two ways, and paying for a hotel room was worth listening to you for a full day. Well, I hope so. That's not a one-off, by the way. Since I developed my six-point formula, countless numbers of parents have told me that it changed their lives. I'll be bold enough to completely agree with that assessment. The formula does change lives, but mind you, no credit goes to me. The formula informed the manner in which I was raised. It informed the manner in which almost all of my peers were raised. And it informed the manner in which children back to the beginning of human time were raised. It is not new. I did not come up with it. I am simply breaking down the manner in which parents projected their authority to their children before psychological theory consigned American child-rearing to the dogs. I'm doing nothing here but articulating what parents prior to, call it 1970, understood, to wit. Proper exercise of parent authority is not a matter of using proper consequences. Rather, it is a matter of how a parent comports and conducts himself when in his children's presence. To wit, it is a matter of him comporting and conducting himself like he is an adult. The reason so many contemporary American parents are having so many problems with discipline is they don't act like adults when they're in their children's presence. They don't act like adults because adults do not care if children like them or not. That is essential to a definition of an adult. Authentic adults don't care if children like them or not. Authentic adults love children. They want the best for children. They have dedicated themselves to the welfare of children, but they don't care what children think of them or the decisions that they make. I mean, let's face it, folks. Children are driven by emotion. 
They are also self-centered and significantly limited in their ability to see down the proverbial road. As such, they like it when adults try to curry favor with them. They like those adults. The problem being, however, that adults who make it their objective to be liked by children cannot act consistently in the best interests of children. Now, why is that? Because children, for the reasons just enumerated, are incapable of understanding what is in their best interests. For example, these days, almost all 10-year-olds want smartphones. Is it in a 10-year-old child's best interest to have a smartphone? The only rational answer is no. Therefore, refusing to provide your 10-year-old with a smartphone is not going to make him like you. It's going to cause quite the opposite. In fact, he's not going to like you. He may sulk for days. Do you care? If you care that your 10-year-old sulks for days because you've made a decision he doesn't like, then you want to be liked, approved of, by your 10-year-old. It makes you uncomfortable, even anxious, even fearful, perhaps, when your 10-year-old acts like he doesn't like you. And that desire to be liked is what gets in the way of you being perceived by your 10-year-old as an authority figure. You're acting more like a peer who needs a 10-year-old friend. And under the circumstances, your 10-year-old friend figures out very quickly how to manipulate you into getting his way. And a child of any age, doesn't have to be 10, a child of any age, who figures out that his parents want to be liked, is going to resist any attempt on his parents' part to get him to obey. People don't obey other people because they like them. They obey because they respect the manner in which said people, authority figures, convey their authority. Parents often say to me, I'm so-and-so's parent. He should respect me, right? No. Respect does not do a title. Respect is due because the individual in question acts worthy of the title. So back to the formula. The formula I'm going to share with you today, it works. I know it works because thousands, and I mean thousands of parents, have told me it changed their lives for the better. These same parents, by the way, have also told me that since they implemented the formula, their children seem measurably and significantly happier, at peace with themselves and the world, right? Because a parent who properly conveys his or her natural authority to a child is providing the child in question with an irreplaceable sense of well-being and security. Forget self-esteem. It's a bogus, satanic concept. Yes, satanic. Jesus did not say, blessed are those who think highly of themselves, not by a long shot. He blessed the humble, the poor in spirit, those who mourn, those who make personal sacrifice. It's good for parents to have obedient children, and it's good for children to be obedient. 
not obedient because of threat, reward, praise, and so on, but obedient because they realize intuitively that obedience equates to a state of well-being. Now, you're not going to hear that from any other psychologist in America, I dare say. I don't know anyone else in my field who is saying what I just said. The mental health industry in America began demonizing the traditional exercise of parent authority, which is what the formula represents, some 50 years ago or so, and they've been demonizing it ever since. Instead, they've been promoting the idea that the measure of good parenting is a wonderful parent-child relationship. Well, let me tell you about the pitfalls of trying to have a wonderful relationship with your child. It doesn't work, and for one simple reason. You cannot try to have a wonderful relationship with your child without trying to be liked by your child. And if you are focused on being liked by your child, I'm repeating myself here, but for good reason, then you are not able to discipline properly, which is to say, with authority. And make no mistake, proper authority is not conveyed by raising one's voice. Proper authority is conveyed in a normal, calm tone of voice. So I'm beginning to describe, to describe the formula, so let's get to it. Six steps. Step one. When giving instructions, I hope you're taking notes, when giving instructions or conveying a decision to a child, do not do what the entire mental health professional industry in America tells parents to do. Do not get down to the child's level. Do not bend down. Do not put your hands on your knees. Stand straight. To convey authority properly, it is required that you look like an authority figure. And an adult who is bending over at the waist in front of the child doesn't look like an authority figure. He looks like a supplicant, an underling. He looks like someone who's pleading with his majesty. Someone who is asking his majesty for a favor. So stop that. Stop doing what the entire mental health professional community in America has been telling parents to do for 50-odd years. Their advice hasn't helped you. It's not going to suddenly start helping you. Forget their advice. When you speak to a child, look like an adult. Look like an authority figure. Got that? Okay, step two. When conveying instructions or decisions to a child, use the fewest words possible. If you want a child to put on his coat, say, put on your coat. If you want a child to wash pots and pans, say, wash the pots and pans. Bear with me here, folks. I know that sounds mechanical, even robotic, and as far as I've gone to this point, I agree. But believe me, I'm not encouraging you to sound like a Stepford parent. Bear with me, folks. The formula consists of six equally important steps. We've only covered two of them. And by the way, I just coined a phrase, Stepford parent. It sort of dates me, doesn't it? If you don't know what I'm talking about, Google 
Stepford Wives. Anyway, on to step three. Step three, preface the fewest words possible with an authoritative phrase like, it's now time for you to, or I want you to, or you're now going to. So, put on your coat becomes, it's now time for you to put on your coat. Pick up your toys and put them where they belong becomes, the next thing you're going to do to pull your weight around here is pick up your toys and put them where they belong. Can you hear people screaming? Maybe you're one of them. They're screaming over that last sentence. The next thing you're going to do to pull your weight around here is pick up your toys and put them where they belong. The screamers think that's callous, unloving, sarcastic, and brands me as an agent of Satan. Actually, my wife and I talk to her children like that on a fairly frequent basis. Like every day. Yes, you can talk like that and be nasty. Or you can talk like that and be serious. But funny at the same time. It's all a matter of context. And the context is a relaxed, easygoing, parent-child relationship, don't confuse the term, within which the child in question is clear on who's running the show and realizes that compliance with an authority figure who has his best interests in mind is a good thing. Obedience is how the child shows respect, and every child needs obedient, (laughs) excuse me, Every child needs authentic adults he can look up to and feel completely safe with. Releasing your parenting sense of humor requires that you stop trying to be your child's friend and embrace your natural, organic, God-given authority in your home. And for certain of you evangelicals out there, I'm saying, yes, I am, that the mother's authority in the home is every bit as absolute as that of her husband. But, and the but is important, that depends on the kids seeing that whereas dad is the final authority on matters concerning them, somebody's got to be the final authority, folks. God's plan is clearly for that to be the father. If that final authority does not rest properly with dad, It becomes a jump ball between mom and dad, the consequence of which is is one argument after another between mom and dad. If the kids don't see that dad's authority is final, then they learn how to manipulate both mom and dad. So, back to the meat of things, the formula. Step four. Step four is do not... Are you listening? Are you taking notes? Do not explain yourself to your children. Do not explain your instructions. Do not explain your decisions. You gave your children life. You do whatever it is that's necessary to sustain their lives. Your authority has been given to you by the highest of authorities. You are not required to justify yourself to your children. 
I want you to repeat that with me, but use I am not required instead of you are not required. So here we go. Are you ready? Here we go. I am not required to justify myself to my children. I didn't hear all of you. Let's do it again. I am not required to justify myself to my children. All righty then. But John, someone says, a counselor told me that children should know why we give the instructions we give and make the decisions we make. I know what mental health professionals say about parents explaining themselves. I am a psychologist, remember? I swallowed all of that in graduate school. As part of the parenting narrative, the mental health professional community embraced wholesale in the late 1960s and early 1970s and began promoting to America's parents as essential to their children's mental health. As usual, the mental health professional community was wrong. Furthermore, and again as usual, their advice along those lines has been destructive across the board, all of it. Isn't anything the professional advice givers said was worth something? Someone protests? No. For the first few years of my career and my parenthood, I believed in the narrative. I spread the narrative as far and wide as I could. And then I realized, I'll tell you the whole story some other time, that the mental health professional parenting narrative was harming children, making child-rearing a stressful enterprise, destroying marriages, and destroying public education, which is probably at this point beyond the point of no return, but that's another podcast as well. When all that dawned on me, I stopped promoting the narrative, all of it. The narrative is built on false premises concerning human nature. Therefore, nothing that comes from the narrative is true. It is all falsehood. Psychology is fakery. It's falsehood. Again, that's for future shows, but to the question at hand, no. There's nothing about the narrative that is worth anything. The entire post-1960s psychological parenting paradigm, great alliteration again, wow, has been a disaster for all concerned. That is the purpose of this podcast, folks. My purpose is to help set things right. That's my assignment. Even though I'd much rather be playing in a rock and roll band, my original career, by the way, my assignment is one I cannot refuse and cannot afford to give less to than my all. What do explanations lead to? Well, you've already discovered you just refuse to accept the evidence. Explanations lead to argument. That's what. When a parent tells me he has an argumentative child, I say, no, you don't. You have a child who's responding reflexively to your explanations of yourself, your instructions, your decisions. You don't just tell your child what you want him to do. You tell him why you want him to do it. And right away, before you get the whole explanation out of your mouth, he's often arguing with you. He's not argumentative. He's a child. That's what children do. 
And let me tell you that it is the rare arguing child who is a truly happy child. Arguments do not produce happiness. Furthermore, when your child begins arguing with you, you become anxious, angry, or both. If your anxiety or anger rules, well, if your anxiety rules, you cave in, you compromise. The narrative tells parents to compromise with their children. Just take a deep breath, folks, a deep clarifying breath, and consider the unmitigated absurdity of parents negotiating and compromising with their children. Do generals negotiate and compromise with privates? Do CEOs negotiate and compromise with people working in the mailroom? Ah, it's absurd. But that is the nature of mental health professional parenting advice. In this case, mental health professional parenting advice tells parents to undermine their own authority right in front of their children. Unbelievable. How did we ever fall for this in the first place? Actually, I know the answer to that question too, but it'll have to wait for a future podcast. So let's move on to step five. Step five considers the fact, it's a fact, that when children don't get an explanation, they will want one. And because they want an explanation, they ask for one. Why? They shriek, or why not? So, when your child asks you for an explanation for an instruction or a decision, why or why not? Step five is... Say to your child the most demonized four words in the history of child-rearing, but at the same time, the most powerful four words in the history of child-rearing, because I said so. Mental health professionals, the know-nothings, will tell you that saying because I said so a child, uh, said so to a child is disrespectful. No, it's not. It's telling the child the truth. You have said. Do this. Why? Because you said so. You are not obligated to justify yourself to your children. Keep that in mind. You don't scream because I said so. You don't snarl because I said so. You don't say it in some other threatening manner. You don't say it while flailing your arms in the air and acting like a cuckoo. You just say it. Well, because I said so. For you fellow Bible believers out there, it is a fact that because I said so is a biblical principle. Yes, it is. For proof, read Ephesians, the sixth chapter, the first verse. Ephesians 6, 1 says, and I quote, children, obey your parents in the Lord because this is right, because it's right. Just obey them because it's the right thing to do. Not obey your parents because they justify themselves successfully to you, child. Not obey them because they come up with a sufficient threat. 
not obey them because they come up with a sufficient enticement. Simply obey your parents because it's right. Do what they say because they say so, kids. And that brings us to step six, which is having followed the first five steps of the formula, which I will review in a moment, you simply turn and walk briskly away. I call it pulling the plug on the power struggle. If after step five, because I said so, you continue to stand there, a power struggle will almost certainly ensue. The child will say something snarky, for example, and you will get mad, and you'll snarl at the child, and there you go, off and running, and nothing gets accomplished, and it takes hours for the climate of the home to return to a semblance of sanity and peace, right? Right. So, after saying, well, the answer to your question, kid, once again, is because I said so, you turn and walk away. Don't stand there and wait for the words that will never come. Gosh, Dad, Mom, when you put it like that, I can't help but want to obey and just keep right on obeying. Oh, happy day, Dad, Mom. Oh, happy day. Yeah, those are the words that will never come. So now it's review time. Getting children to obey is not primarily a matter of using correct consequences, albeit consequences can come in handy at times. It is primarily a matter of projecting your natural authority in a natural, which is to say, cool, calm, and collected manner to your kids. To that end, my six-part formula for Securing child obedience is, first, address your kids from an upright position. Do not bend over in some counterproductive effort to get down to their level. Second, give instructions using the fewest words possible. The more you prattle on, as the Brits would say, the less your children hear. Third, preface short instructions with short phrases like, it's time for you to, and I now want you to. Fourth, do not explain yourself. You are not obligated to justify yourself to your children, who are basically freeloaders in the first place. Lovable freeloaders, but freeloaders anyway. Fifth, when your children demand to know why or why not, come forth with the most powerful four words in child-rearing history, because I said so. And lastly, sixth, that is, walk away. Pull the plug on the power struggle. Do not engage in your children's emotionality. Remain above the fray. Be the adult in the room and the house and the yard. I'm John Rosemond, America's heretic psychologist, and this has been another exciting episode of Because I Said So, the one parenting podcast you will want to keep listening to. My thanks to all the good folks who have acknowledged the value of this podcast by subscribing to it. If you like it, and if you got this far, you probably do like it. And please tell your friends, spread the word. 
Together, we can restore authenticity and a high purpose to the raising of children in America. In the meantime, please go to my website at parentguru.com for more resources. See you next time. I wrote and recorded the next song, by the way. This song, this outro is what it's called. Uh, It's called Because I Said So, appropriately so. Hope you enjoy it. And yes, it is a crass example of cultural appropriation. Pick it, Wilson.